We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. Chris, congratulations. What does it mean to you guys to get back home court in this series and grab this big win? Mean a lot. Showed a lot of fight. Showed a lot of fight, man. Guys on both sides, you know, banged up. It's the playoffs. That's what it's going to look like. But we showed a lot of fight and got this win. Monty said he thinks your range of motion in this game was the best it's been since the injury. How do you feel and what did you have to do the last couple days to just get on the court? It's been a lot. It's been a lot going on. Met with coach before the game, told me he was going to sit me. He told me he was going to sit me tonight. I told him, hell nah. Just give me a couple minutes. I told him, hell nah. Welcome to the timeline of Phoenix Suns podcast. The Suns officially tied it 2-2, regained home court advantage. My name is Mike. I'm here with Sam. Sam, how are you doing? We got a fucking series, baby. <laughs> completely, completely changed the math of this series. Yeah. And and hey, first of all, let me just say, people are actually going to listen to this episode because more people <laughs> listen to these episodes after the Suns win. And now we have a reason for optimism. So, I mean, hey, it's it. look, Mike, it's just a fact. We could say it off the top. Um, yeah, dude, we're back in it. 2-2. Anthony Davis. We got to talk about that. Chris Paul, we got to talk about that. But depending on the status of those two guys going into Tuesday, like you can make a very, very, very convincing case, not just based on the home court, but based on the other stuff, that the Suns are going in with all the momentum. If Chris Paul gets better, because he was still hobbled a little bit here, not afraid to shoot a three. I think he shot one when the shot clock was winding down. If he gets better from where he's at right now, which was much better than the previous game, then I think the advantage kind of tips into the Suns' favor. Uh, depending on Anthony Davis's 
status. Like we really don't know how what Anthony Davis is going to look like, but we should start with Chris Paul because I think this was a fascinating game for a lot of reasons. This was one of those. This is why you play the games, games, uh, because as much as we did previewing and as much talk as people did online, you could predict some of the things that Monty Williams did, uh, but you couldn't really predict how good Chris Paul was going to be. And that was a huge, huge determining factor of this game. One of the best stretches of the game was with Chris Paul on the floor. And I think he absolutely um, dominated with DeAndre Ayton, who played excellent. We're going to talk about him, I'm sure, at some point uh, in that third quarter. And that's kind of what put the entire game away. I feel a lot more confident about the status of Chris Paul going forward. But I want to start this whole episode just by saying it is incredible to see someone go out there who is clearly not healthy, who's clearly in pain, not capable of doing all of the things he normally can do. And to fight through that and play through that and play this well, I think was, I called it online, heroic by sports standards. It's just incredible. It's he's, just, he's, he's amazing. A, it's incredible too that not just that he's doing it, but I think from what Suns fans have gotten used to, uh, you know, being a Suns fan over the years, you've gotten used to a lot of disappointment, a lot of crazy things have happened. Uh, the fact that he's doing it is incredible. The fact that he's doing it for the Phoenix Suns is just remarkable. It makes me feel great. <laughs> and and really Suns, fans, Suns fans should have known for years that this is who Chris Paul is, but if he can continue here to persevere and lead this team past the Lakers, a, a vaunted rival for so many years in the first round, potentially, I mean, it, it only gets easier from here. Not to say you you still have to take your opponent next round seriously if you could get by them. But I'm saying the Suns here have real potential to go on a run. Chris Paul is doing the stuff of legends right now. And in fact, the last thing, the very last thing I saw before we hopped on the mics here and started to record was his post-game interview with Rachel Nichols mm -hmm. where he said, game five, you know, get your rest, but it's going to be a fight. It's going to be a dogfight. And we need all the young guys to play up, uh, which still some of them are not, truly just not playing to their potential in this series at all. Um, but the last thing he said is, Phoenix, we're going to be home. We need you. And I don't even live in Phoenix, but like I was ready to <laughs> run through a wall. I'm ready yeah. to run through a brick wall for that man. The, yeah. the composure that he plays with this game, you, you, you already said it, but like if he just needs to hit a three, that's the last domino to fall. Yep. Because the way that he snaked to the pick and roll the dribbling, today, the, ball the, handling. the dribbling, I mean, you know, it sounds simple, not dribbling the ball off his foot once with either hand. <laughs> yeah. That was a big step, big step in the right direction there for Chris Paul today. Um, it, truly, he looked like 90% of his usual self, yeah. just getting to that favorite spot of his in the mid range, um, able to kill, like, you know, they put Montrez Harrell in the game in, in, in a desperation move in the fourth quarter. Just the capability to, to go at that guy and pick and roll possession after possession he was he was phenomenal yeah he was phenomenal yeah and it's not even just that it's that when he's on the court his usage rate skyrockets i think in a lot of ways at least the time on the ball skyrockets he's not always shooting so usage rate calculates based on shots um, but his time with the ball in his hands skyrockets because of the way that they were defending Devin Booker, although it changed slightly in this game. Uh, well, Chris Paul was on the court. Most of Devin Booker's actions were coming around some sort of pin down screens. And that meant that Devin Booker was catching it on the run and only had the ball maybe one or two seconds before he had to get rid of it, either with a pass or a shot. So that, right. that effectively shut down a lot of what Devin Booker is good at. Uh, but it also put even more pressure on Chris Paul while he was on the floor 
which is difficult. And I think they both played well, even though Devin Booker didn't quite get the amount of shots that he normally gets. I think it's the, the offense looked better with Devin Booker on the floor throughout the entire game. Absolutely. And, and, and the reason I say the three is still the domino that has to fall for Chris Paul, because we saw minutes, especially in the beginning of the game, Chris Paul did his thing. He played a little bit more passive than he picked it up in the second half. But like campaign's first stint, he comes into the game and it was immediately apparent just having that guy who can who Booker can throw the quick bailout pass to another guard on the perimeter who can shoot that three feels comfortable shooting that three was instantly apparent that 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 was huge for the Suns offense. So Chris Paul needs to get that shot back by Tuesday. But yeah. that being said, the composure that he played with the ball being able to get booker into into his spots i know he didn't have um a a great game tonight even a good game really but his ability to come off those pin down sets and and kind of catch the ball in that 18 20 foot area going downhill that's really what devin booker's been good at all season Mm -hmm. that's that's where you want devin booker a lot of the time i think and and not so much necessarily having to take on the entire burden of initiating the play from the top of the key and and and, you know getting hard hedged or trapped around that screen Mm -hmm. so yeah, we this this was by far the most dynamic we've seen the Suns' offense, and and it's not like there's a, no genius analysis on our part that I think we can say it was just very clear that the Suns' talent level was up by three or four notches, and that was entirely because of Chris Paul. Yeah, I mean there was a point in the first quarter, maybe second quarter, I forget where it was, where uh, the Lakers were confidently switching Drummond onto Chris Paul and just not worrying about it, and, and you know you take away the dynamics of the best or second best player, you know, 1A, 1B, whatever you want to say, being unable to target Andre Drummond on the perimeter at the three-point line. You take that dynamic away from the Suns' offense, and they're missing a massive, massive piece. And at that point, I thought, I just don't know. I just don't know how this is going to go. I have no idea. If Drummond can guard Chris Paul, this is very bad. He's slow. He's big. And Chris Paul usually kills guys like that. And then in the second half, it switched. It really switched. And I don't know if there was an element of Chris Paul smelled blood a little bit with Anthony Davis not playing in the second half and just brought it a little bit more. I I hate that kind of analysis because I like to focus on actual strategic stuff, but that does happen. That's a real thing. So let's talk about the Anthony Davis piece of the puzzle because it's massive. Again, we're recording right after the game. We don't have any updates. He went down with that groin injury in the late second quarter. Um, First, it was a knee sprain, right? He was questionable going into this game. We saw him kind of come down hard on, I forget, was it his right or his left knee? Left. Um, Do you remember? Left knee. That was in game three. Already a little bit hobbled um, and didn't play well in the first half. Just straight up didn't play well. But then you take him out of the game. And we don't know the status of Anthony Davis for games five, six, seven, but... Uh, I would say it doesn't look too good for him right now. I, you know, I have yeah. a feeling he'll do everything within his power to play, but I'm not sure he can live up to his usual standard. Yeah. And as soon as he came out of the game and they had to replace him with Kuzma, it was like the sun's the the eyes of the sun's guards yeah. just lit up at the prospect of being able to attack for the entire third quarter a Kuzma Drummond front court. Yeah. And and the Suns outscored the Suns outscored the Lakers by 12 points in that quarter. They got into the bonus, which is not something we've seen a lot from them this series. They actually finished the game, Mike, with oh, actually this is not true anymore because the stats updated at the very end of the game. I'm checking the box score again. But they finished with the same number of free throw attempts as the Lakers mm. at one point a couple minutes um before the end of the game. They actually had more, and I was like, "Oh my god." You've like without Anthony Davis in the game, you can neutralize the free throw advantage of this team, and you can also take away their best rim protector. It's hard to see what the path 
going forward for the Lakers is from from here? What do you think? Well, um, I know we're jumping around a lot here, but I want to just talk about Anthony Davis a little bit uh, as well because in this game I thought it was kind of interesting because um, you're right that Anthony Davis wasn't playing well before he was injured as well. And I think the Suns were actually doing some interesting stuff defensively with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And what I, what I mean by that is they were not doubling post-ups at all. Um, or at least they were doing it very, very rarely. There was a few times in the second half that they started to bring a second guy at LeBron James, but for Anthony Davis, before he was injured, if he was catching it in the high post, they were just relying on Jay Crowder or whoever else was defending him. At times, it was DeAndre. And I think there was maybe a few with Cameron Johnson. They were just relying on them to make it as difficult as possible for him to shoot over them without fouling as much as possible. You know, obviously, he's going to draw some fouls. Um, but I think what they were doing is they were testing him. They were testing his really his faith in his body, something that we talked about on the last episode that you can't really foul him. You have to force him either to shoot and if he wants to drive test his ability to trust his lower body and in this game they did that right they did exactly that they were just one-on-one defending him in the post they weren't bringing a second guy they weren't allowing them to sort of create that secondary swing to a wide open shot and that means that he was sort of diving at the rim a lot more which ended up with him hurting his groin now it's not really a strategic thing to to that player to injure themselves but (laughs) when a player is injury prone and try, tends to shy away from contact at the rim or shy away from uh, trying to jump, you know, prefer jump shots, then it is strategic at a point. You're, you're, you're seeing mm-hmm. if they're willing to right. trust their body in that way. And uh, at this point, it ended up with him being injured. We'll see if he's, you know, it's possible he'll play the next game. But yeah, it's, it's tough to believe that he'd be 100%. I just thought that well, it's, not doubling was an interesting thing. I mean, it's not dissimilar from what the Suns are doing with LeBron, too. They want him to trust that ankle. And and really, the second half of uh, Game 3 and parts of today were the first time, like the first half of today, mostly, were the first times we've really seen LeBron get after it and drive to the rim and challenge guys like Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder uh, at the rim. It's only when he feels that pressure, he feels his back against the wall, that he actually wants to do it. Because up until this point, LeBron has thought he can beat the Suns just by being a jump shooter. He'd rather save that ankle for... Uh, probably not even round two against whoever's in the next round, but like he's thinking about like the Clippers or the Jazz and beyond in in the Western Conference Finals. Is ideally when LeBron wanted to turn it on. The Suns have made this a series, and especially if Anthony Davis is going to be uh, isn't going to be there in Game Five, he's he's their only hope now. LeBron James to to play their offense, you know, and to and to put pressure on the Suns to get to the to the line the way that we expect the Lakers to. Um, I, I really think we might see some desperation moves from them in Game 5 because it's like the stat I just tweeted out in uh, just before we hopped on here. The Lakers are a plus 37 with LeBron now through four games. They're a minus 33 with LeBron off the floor in only 41 minutes. Yeah. It, like, it's almost a little scary, to be honest, when I read that. <laughs> and it's like you didn't get Schroeder playing at his best. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Level today, he had a couple of good games. Today, he was three for 13. If Davis is off the floor, you've got LeBron, and then the only other guy in that roster who can actually put his head down and drive is Schroeder. Um, they had some lineups they were running out there like at the end of the third quarter when they got blown out. Kuzma can't create his own offense. He's had an awful series. Marcus Gasol, obviously not what he used to be. They just, you know, Caruso's not that guy. KCP was out today. Um, you know, like maybe you get a couple spot-up shots out of Ben McLemore, but it's it's like they just look like a very, very bad offense. Not just like by playoff standards or, or, or by contender stand, uh, standards. Just a straight-up bad offense. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. I... I want to talk about um, the sort the Suns' advantages as far as defending them without Anthony Davis and what the Suns could potentially do in that case. But I want to take a moment before we do that just to say, to give credit, because I think this is something that uh, fans tend to do. When things are going bad, they really hammer the coach. And when things go good, they praise the players. I just want to take a moment to talk about what Monty Williams did in this specific game and how I thought it it was just brilliant. I thought it was a brilliantly coached game and they did a really good job. Of course, the players always have to execute and things matter there. But strategy-wise, I thought it was really smart. We just talked about not doubling Anthony Davis in the post or LeBron James unless he started beating you or getting the right switches. That was the only time they did that. Um, I thought that was brilliant. When Chris Paul started the game, I thought the types of actions they were running with Chris Paul on the floor and Devin Booker on the floor with him compared to the plays that they were running with Devin Booker sharing the floor with Cameron Payne were dramatically different because of the way the Lakers are defending those different actions. I thought that was brilliant. Uh, The play calling down the stretch with Chris Paul, once he started hitting those mid-range shots, I think a lot of that goes to Chris Paul, but allowing him to do that. I think all of that matters. And I just wanted to take a moment to say, uh, that I think he's doing a really good job in this series, especially I think Vogel is a bit of a question mark, I think, for the Lakers. And I think Monty Williams at this point has done a really good job with the cards he's been dealt. What Vogel has had some really questionable uh, burning his challenges yeah. a couple straight games now on bullshit. Like, I don't I don't know what he's doing. Obviously, his on, rotations on Crowder every time too. funny enough. Here's the thing. <laughs> 
I'm a little bit more sympathetic towards Vogel's, uh, the challenge that he has with his rotations because everyone says play Anthony Davis at the five, you know, even before the injury, but it's like, Anthony Davis doesn't want to play the five. I, I think he's doing the best. He made the adjustment to eventually play Gasol. Uh, he tried Harold tonight. You know, he's trying adjustments. I just don't know that he necessarily has the talent pool. But there are other confusing things that he's doing. Um, I, I want to ask you, let's talk about game five. If, if, you, if Anthony Davis doesn't play game five, if he just doesn't play, and I think he will. Again, I have no updates to go on at this point. I think he will. But let's say he doesn't. Which would you rather do between these two things? Would you rather continue to guard LeBron in a way where you 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 don't send necessarily a ton of help like you kind of let him have it but you force him to trust his ankle and drive to the basket and and see like to what extent he's willing to continue being a jump shooter that's option a or would you rather kind of like go all in like like box and one LeBron for a game and force him to kick out to his shooters who have shot like 20 percent all series or like force him to pass to Drummond under the rim to like you know, get, get something going and really try to shut down LeBron now that he is the only way that they can comfortably generate offense. Okay. I'm glad you brought that up because I think they're going to continue to do exactly what they did in the third quarter, which I think worked really well. Everything falls into place defensively for the Suns uh, when Anthony Davis is out of the lineup. We commonly talked about matchup issues for the Suns when he's playing and I think that the Lakers will take a hard look at starting Mark Gasol in the next game to try and take DeAndre Ayton out of the paints as much as possible and if that happens we'll talk about that uh, later but but before that let's just say that they're playing what they did now which was I think Kuzma started that second half Um, he did what they did in that case is they had Jay Crowder on LeBron James um, AD I'm sorry, D-A, <laughs> too many <laughs> letters. DeAndre Ayton was guarding Andre Drummond. And then they had Mikel Bridges on Dennis Schroeder just hounding the ball, which I think is something that the Lakers sort of take away from the Suns is the ability for Mikel to be a pest on primary yeah. ball handlers. Now we have that back again. Now Mikel could make everything that Schroeder does a little bit more difficult. And then you have Chris Paul and Devin Booker on whatever shooters they have at that time. I think that would mean that uh, Chris Paul is on Wesley Matthews and Devin Booker is on Kuzma. That is a pretty good scenario for the Suns. And I thought what the Suns did, which was really smart, is if LeBron started getting a little too close to the rim, that's when they brought that help defender. They brought it back from the uh, guy that was the closest to it. The Lakers did a pretty smart job of countering by trying to put Chris Paul's man in help position. So it had to be Chris Paul helping, which makes it a little more difficult. But the Suns can really switch on that and, and find ways to still help. And I think that's the best way to do it. You try to play him straight up because he's not quite the LeBron that we're used to. But as he gets closer and closer to the rim, especially if he's posting up, then you bring that second guy and try and force him to move the ball. But I think depending on how well that goes, I think you're right that they could do something pretty dramatic there by really forcing the ball out of LeBron James's hands as much as possible with the way that he's still currently playing. Uh, yeah. You know, not quite what he was before. I mean, this is a simplification because LeBron is playing so much differently than Booker is in this series, but the Davis injury allows you to start to guard him the way that we've seen the Lakers guard Booker in the past couple of days, the, the difficulty with which they've made his reads. Um, it's really a pretty unique situation for the Suns to be in now. And um, you can just test how much how much offensive firepower the Lakers actually have. Their defense, too, really quickly, I want to say, as soon as Davis left that game, 
really fell apart in the third quarter. Did you see my guy, our guy, our collective guy, Mm -hmm. campaign, Mm -hmm. drive right by LeBron two times in that quarter, get to the rim, making him look a little bit... I saw you you use the phrase three times. I think he only finished two of the layups, but he got by him three times. Geriatric is what what some people were saying. I believe you. Yeah. I was a little bit nicer than that. I just said LeBron has to retire now, um, but I didn't call him. I didn't call him geriatric. I'm not trying to push him into a home. Uh, he, yeah. I just think LeBron. They they really want LeBron in that like helper position defensively. It's 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 funny. I think it's gone underrated. People people don't call out enough the fact of of, of how much they hide LeBron on defense. And when the Suns were able, I mean, they were able to target him uh, with campaign yeah, in the third that- quarter. It was. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean that the first one where where campaign got by him, LeBron swung out to hedge, and his hips just weren't fast enough, and and Payne found the gap. Um, you know, he was trying to ice him towards the towards the sideline. Payne got right by him, and yeah, it was it was impressive. Yeah, and the second time he even pushed, he tried pushing him out even further, and and Payne just turned the corner on him. And I think it's it's fascinating. For a couple of reasons. One, Payne does not care. Like, he will just go at anyone. And I think that type of confidence is actually kind of missing, I think, a little bit from Devin Booker, at least in these last two games. And if he can get that back, trying to get to the rim on these guys, I think he's a little afraid of getting his shot blocked, which has happened a few times. So that's fine. Like, put the refs in a position to try and make a call on that or not make a call. You won't get it every time, but sometimes you will. And I think collapsing the defense like that will help him a lot. But the other thing is, LeBron has become famous for one specific thing that he does. I mean, you can say that he has a signature dunk. You can say he has a signature offensive play, but it's not true. We know what his signature play is. It's that block from behind. And the fact that somebody like Cameron Payne, who was literally out of the NBA a year ago, is now getting by LeBron and getting to the rim without LeBron being able to contest that, I think is an encapsulation of one, where Cameron Payne's development has gone, and two, where LeBron James is currently at with how he's feeling and how he's currently playing. It's a demonstration of both of those things. Shout out to Cameron Payne for doing that, but also the Suns need to recognize that LeBron was not really risking his body to try to contest that uh, and, and really try to find ways to capitalize on that if that's something that he continues to do. The future is now, old man. <laughs> Some cracks are being exposed, um, but but game five, you know, I I What's expected. The, I got that, two things. I'm sorry, I want to get to okay. Sure, before ask, we move on, ask, Frank, ask away. Frank Kaminsky minutes, bad, bad, <laughs> never again. That, okay, I, actually, I'm glad you brought you that think up because I was going to talk about what define done. Well, here, here's I, can what they happened. Af- can they afford to be? Here's what happened that I thought was actually kind of interesting. Uh, the Suns finally, at the end of the third quarter, just said, you know, no, let's not do, let's not try this anymore. It's clearly not working. They just put him in a pick and roll. I mean, they just, it, the offense becomes really easy. It's kind of what the Suns did when the, when the Lakers put Montrezl Harrell in. They're doing the same thing to Frank Kaminsky. They're forcing him to move and defend within space, and he's not as good at it as you need to be in order to contest a Lakers shot at the rim. So they're just going to get shots at the rim in those cases. So what the Suns did is what I was hoping they would do is a front court that included both Craig and Crowder because I talked about just putting Craig at center. It's a little bit disconcerting to me. If you also have the size and strength of Jay Crowder and both of those guys crashing the rim, makes me a little more confident. And I mentioned it on the podcast. Even if you can find ways to have Cameron Johnson in at the same time, do that because I think Cameron Johnson 
is a pretty good rebounder for his position as well. They did that. All, Team rebounder, yeah. All three of those yeah. guys were in in those minutes. And what the Lakers did, which I was kind of shocked by, is they went small too. Uh, they actually put uh, Ben McLemore in. They put uh, mm-hmm. Markeith Morris in, who's been terrible. Yeah. If you haven't been following I, that, it, he, he was terrible. That shocked me. And, that shocked yeah, me. Yeah, and I thought the advantage was like, like securely in the Suns' favor in those minutes. So I think if the Lakers are planning on going small to sort of counter the Suns' minutes going small, there's no reason to not do it. Like the Suns should absolutely do it. I think the one thing that you could worry about is the potential for the Lakers to try and gobble up every offensive rebound with a guy like Andre Drummond on the floor. He was getting killed in that third quarter, so they took him out. They went small. The Suns were small. The Suns ran. The Suns still rebounded well, and they got threes out of it. And I think they probably have to do that now if, if that's how the Lakers are going to play it. I hereby propose a new rule, and, and I really think someone should take this to the commissioner's office and the owners and see what they think. If you beat a team, every time you beat a team in a playoff series, you get to take one player off their bench for the next round. So <laughs> sign Marc Gasol to a temporary, get by these guys, sign Marc Gasol, because it's still, it's killing me. Like, if the Suns are able to get by this series, this is going to be a recurring issue for the remainder of the playoffs. You can't just go back to Sharch. Um, we are at a point now where exi- what you're saying is right, Play, play Tory Craig, hope for the best with with Cam Johnson and and maybe Jay Crowder alongside him. Yada yada. You still can't do more than like six to eight minutes of that, especially against some of these teams. Against well, against like Portland, maybe you could, but against a lot of these teams, you couldn't. Um, we are going to be seeing DeAndre Ayton relied on for about forty minutes a game for the duration of the playoffs, however long that is. Whether it's only a couple more games or whether they get all the way to the finals, we need Ayton for forty minutes a game in the playoffs, which. You know, maybe here's where we talk about Aiden. He's been phenomenal this series in, oh, yeah. in almost every sense, but it's like just such a scary proposition that that's where we are. I just um, and, want to and that's what that we need too. out of him. Now. This was his best game, by the way. This may have been his lowest scoring game, but we just have to acknowledge the other things that he does. Well, let's let's talk about. So the the Suns opened up the game feeding Aiton. I mean, they tried to get him in the right positioning. He had three shot attempts within like the first two minutes. Mm -hmm. He had four or six points, maybe, you know, halfway through the first quarter. But then the shooters got going and it was kind of just proof that this offense, there's always been that symbiotic relationship between the shots that Aiton gets at the rim, Mm -hmm. the gravity that he has on his roles, and the gravity that the shooters have. So when the shooters are doing their job and and some of those shots for Jay Crowder finally started to fall and Mikhail Bridges as well in the first half, Aiton didn't score again until the second half. Uh, I think until he got a couple of easy buckets like in transition or on offensive putbacks. So yeah, it wasn't his most uh, impressive game offensively, but he was still playing the exact same role and doing exactly what he had to do. And uh, you know, more importantly, the defense in this game was great. Yes. It was it was consistent that's what I uh, possession after possession. Yeah, because, yeah, so I mean that that's that's the key. And here's what I think was interesting is because they were not bringing a second guy often on those post-ups, that meant that DeAndre Ayton was sort of allowed to be in that health defense role. Essentially what he does on pick and rolls, the thing that he's gotten very, very good at and just sort of near the rim as much as possible. They also switched a lot less with DeAndre Ayton in this game. When he found himself on the perimeter, it was more often due to offensive rebounds by the Lakers than it was due to switching, which I think was good for uh, DeAndre Ayton against this team specifically. You're not as afraid of them shooting pull-up threes as normal teams, so you can go under screens. You can get back as far as possible, drop in those pick-and-rolls, and play help defense 
and stay on Andre Drummond, whoever else is the center in those scenarios, which is another reason I think they might start Mark Gasol, just, just to point that out again. Uh, but what that does is it allows him to be in that help defense position. It it simplifies his role defensively, and that helped him out a lot. And what that also does is it means that he's likely going to be close to the rim for rebounds, and that ended up with him having his best rebounding game in this series with 17 rebounds. So I think with DeAndre Ayton, we talked about it so many times, teams are going to try to put him in positions to make decisions offensively and defensively. And in this game, Monty Williams put him in a position to simplify his role defensively, and that caused him to excel. Now, yes, he did not score as much, but look at the way that the scoring was on this team. 17 points by Crowder, 11 points by Bridges, 14 points by Ayton, 18 points by Paul, 17 points by Booker, 13 points by Payne. That's how the Suns win a series. They don't win a series by these guys exploding and, and, and just one guy carrying them through. The best teams win, and that means multiple guys have to play really well. And I thought the way that they played this game was brilliant as far as simplifying his role. And even though he didn't have his highest scoring game, this was his best game of the series, in my opinion. I agree. I agree. I want to go down the line here a little bit more. We talked about Chris Paul. Um, Jay Crowder, huge bounce back game for him. He couldn't shoot two for 20 from ever. Yeah, we were, uh, ro- we were wrong about Sorry, sitting him, that. I think. <laughs> or I was, uh, I should say. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I always thought he would get his shot back a little bit, but I didn't I didn't expect this to to come back so quickly. Um, he was he was massive. Uh, I I think I even got on him in the first couple minutes of the game because he missed his first couple shots, and I was like, oh, here we go, let's play Cam. Um, with respect to Cam, Cam Johnson, that is. Uh, he only shot two for six. I did like mm-hmm. the fact that he came in. He continues to play more than Torrey Craig, and it's for a reason. Mm-hmm. I, th- I thought he attacked immediately a couple of closeouts with purpose um, and, and generated just the ability to move the ball around for the Suns is something that we just cannot over, um, underrate because it's so important. Uh, Mikhail Bridges, he's the third guy. I, like, Let's just kind of talk about the wings uh, as an entire group. Mm-hmm. Mikhail, still, he's still not. He's, he's doing his thing, playing that good, point of attack uh defense mm-hmm. uh and he he shot three of eight from deep it's a little bit weird and i'm chalking it up mostly to a small sample size and the, and the lakers just being super good at having fast closeouts and tightening up their rotations and you know plugging up their their passing lanes and not allowing him to get anything easy at the rim like mikhail is such a talented cutter and we just haven't seen him really do that once this entire series through four games yeah. so i think the lakers deserve a lot of credit there but just the fact in totality that Mikhail shot like 70% on twos this season and is shooting like, I don't have the stats in front of me, but it feels like 20% on those shots uh, yeah. so far this series is uh, remains a little bit concerning. I think the Suns have the momentum now going into game five. With- but I know if you can get one, just one, Mikhail, just give me one, man. I, I want to pay you. I really want to pay you. I promise. Just give me one 20-point game this series. We We got to see a little bit of it. With respect to Bridges, I think that we need to acknowledge the fact that guarding LeBron James takes a ton of effort and this might not be his series offensively because that amount of effort weighs on him and causes him to be a little bit off. And when you're a little bit off in your shots and you're not getting to the rim, your shots are not close to the rim, then they, they might not go in. I think that's just kind of the series. It's how it's going to go for Mikel. And, and that's just what it's going to be without Anthony Davis on the floor, though. I think at the end, combining that with the fact that Chris Paul may actually now be making his jump shots and the panic that comes with Chris Paul from mid-range being back, that's what opens up cutting lanes for Mikel. So we're talking true, about true. like the fact that he 
has not been able to cut. Anthony Davis playing off the ball defensively has a lot to do with that. The fact that nobody was worried about Chris Paul's little pull-up jump shot, I think, has a lot to do with that. If those two things happen, we'll see with AD, uh, and we'll see with Chris Paul, too, to be honest. One good game does not mean Look, he's going to be healthy, but that'll open up that those cutting lanes, and I think he can get just, to the rim more. Closing the book on, on Mikhail here, I, I'm just happy he played the fourth quarter. <laughs> like, we had a couple yeah. games in a row where he couldn't see the floor in the fourth quarter, and that was concerning. We're definitely not at that point anymore. He he He's earning minutes, and that's good to see. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And if there's another guy from the starting lineup, we'll talk about Devin Booker. How nice is it that uh, we got this far in the podcast, we didn't have to sort of mention Devin Booker in that the Suns won and he didn't have to explode. Uh, a lot of what I talked about in the last game was other players sort of letting him down with the way that he was being defended and they weren't forcing them to be honest defensively. This game, clearly they were. But I think he struggled in a way that I don't think he did in the last game. I think a lot of what he did in the last game made sense. But the way that he was driving in this game and sort of not understanding exactly what he was going to do when he got close to the rim was on him yeah. a lot more than it you was know on the game plan thing. I'm not I'm not blaming the officiating here cuz cuz I thought it was an even a fairly even officiated uh game, but I think it was a little bit inconsistent to the point where Booker looked unusually panicked. Um and look, this is a guy who turns the ball over a decent amount like Panic is part of his game. I'm used to seeing Devin turn the ball over in, in the mid-range area, but it was even a little bit more so today. I thought he rushed some of his decisions, trying to bait guys, you know, for those usual rip-through calls, and and it wasn't exactly working out for him. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's just a playoff learning moment of trying to pick the right spots. He's, again, Chris Paul, nine assists to zero turnovers. Uh, he, Devin has a long way to go before he ascends to that level yeah. of just always knowing what the exact right thing to do is, how you get the right calls, and and how you toy with your defense and manipulate them in the right ways. He's just not there yet. He struggled tonight. It, um, they got the win, so I don't give a shit. Even even with <laughs> but, that, I think with Booker, I think he got to his seventeen points in eleven field goal attempts, and that was that's good, right? That means he's he, did well. uh, he did have and, fourteen. He did have fourteen. He, was, ended he was with five 14. for fourteen. I, I think he missed his last three shots. Is my point? Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah, I think there sure. was a point where he was playing well up to that point, and then I think it just fell apart a little bit at the end. And to his credit, I think he rightfully so, with the way that they were defending him, was giving up the ball to Chris Paul in the clutch just about every single time. And I think that was the right choice, and that ended up with the win. The Lakers kind of stormed their way back a little bit, and luckily, thanks to Crowder and Mikel, finally sort of coming through at the end there with Bridges, um, they just had an answer every single time. So I, I really enjoyed that, and I thought they did a good job closing this one out. I think going forward, we're wondering if those seven minutes that Kaminsky got are going to go to Craig, who had 11 minutes, and we can sort of pump him up to 18 minutes. By the way, Craig, five rebounds in 11 minutes. Frank Kaminsky, zero rebounds in seven minutes. <laughs> you know, that's that's because he didn't have a chance to grab a defensive rebound because they scored every time. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm serious. You're that's right. how bad yeah. it was. I mean, when you're getting shots right at the rim, uh, it's a lot easier to make them. So we'll see if that's an adjustment they make. I think that you can feel confident enough with the starters to continue with the starters. Chris Paul clearly playing a lot better. And then, you know, Payne, his minutes sort of ballooned up to 25 minutes in this game. I imagine they will continue at that amount, maybe slightly more if they can find ways to put a, a three-guard lineup in if the Lakers go small again. But uh, anything else that you're looking looking at for the next game? Um, not especially. I just want to talk to the fans real quick. You heard Chris Paul. Phoenix. He needs you. Staples is not that loud. You can tell Staples is not that loud. And look, they, they've only got like seven or 8,000 fans that they're allowing in that building. Um, 
I almost said talking stick. Phoenix Suns Arena <laughs> is at like full capacity, right? Almost full capacity at this yeah, point. Yeah, I think sixteen thousand fans for the next game, which is you can full feel. Capacity. You can feel the tide is turning. Be loud. Game five. This is a huge moment. I like. I'm in such a different place mentally from when we recorded our last pod a couple days ago, and and it's it's going to be exciting. I feel like we have the potential to witness true legendary performances here from Chris Paul or Devin Booker, depending on what happens. I'm really excited. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. The next game is vital. Look, we called this last one a must win, and it was. But if you're planning on winning the series, the team that wins game five in a 2-2 series, I'm not going to look at the percentages. I'm I'm just going to throw a random number (laughs) out. 85, 90% of the time wins. 69% (laughs) of the time they win the series. And look, you fought so hard to scrap your way back to having home court advantage again. Don't blow it. Don't blow it. The other thing I'll say, last thing I'll say, I guess, for for today, I had a suspicion that LeBron was going to come out in game four and smell blood in the water himself. Uh, He played well. I wouldn't say he exactly played like that, but now we're seeing him in this this new precarious position of he's got his back against the wall. What's he going to do? You know he's not going to go down without a fight. It's LeBron James. Yeah. So be ready. All right, we keep these post-game pods kind of short because we'll be back after Tuesday. Uh, So... Obviously, if you don't follow us on Twitter already, follow us now because we're really kind of tweeting our way through this series as well. We got lots of analysis there, but we will be back after Game 5 on, I think it's Tuesday. It is Tuesday, right? Tuesday night. It is Tuesday Tuesday night night. at 10 o'clock. Hey, if you uh, are a new listener to the pod, we have a lot of new listeners to the pod in the past couple weeks. Go and uh, leave us a review on iTunes, too. We always appreciate that very much, new listeners. Absolutely. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll be back on Tuesday. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.